Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to the Practical Woodsman Podcast. I'm Rut, the creator and host of the Practical Woodsman. That's right. It's my genius which has brought this all into existence. In this episode, we're going to talk all about getting by in the woods with less, about going without a lot of gadgets and luxuries. Do you think you could do it? and still enjoy yourself and be happy out there. Well, we have to do the musical introduction before we get into that discussion, so don't get a hair in your biscuit, hang tight. without. Before we get into the meat and taters of this discussion, let's do our announcements real quick and then they'll be out of the way. We won't have to worry about them no more today. First of all, if you're only listening to me, you're missing out on some cool stuff. Some of the videos that I put out there. Videos in addition to this show. So, if you're interested in seeing some of the videos I put out there, please subscribe to me. In addition to wherever you're listening to me now, be sure to subscribe to me also on Communist YouTube and uh, Free Rumble, Free Speech Rumble. So that's YouTube and Rumble. I appreciate having you folks who are subscribed to me on the audio-only platforms. I just don't want you to miss out on some of the video content that I that I put up. New video coming soon with my pups out in the woods. So be on the lookout for that. This is going to be a series of videos where you're going to get to see them uh, being trained for being good trail dogs, being good backcountry dogs. And uh, I've been excited about getting that started. The thing that's been putting that off is that it we've had a heat wave. We've had two, maybe three serious heat waves here in the past month. We're in one right now. And uh, it's just been too hot and humid for me to be interested in going out into the going outside of my house let alone going into the woods i mean it's been pretty brutal so that's supposed to end here in the next day or two and i'm really looking forward to some of the cooler weather locals that's where i've decided to put my online community for everything related to the practical woodsman and the reason why i chose it is because their mission statement is free speech and i like that i want to support that and uh, there's some a lot of great perks to uh, being on that group, uh, being on that platform. So if you're interested in joining, the way you do it is you go to thepracticalwoodsman.locals, L-O-C-A-L-S, dot com. Or you can download the locals.com app from the App Store and uh, just search for The Practical Woodsman within the app. All right. To get us started on this discussion about going without, the art of going without, I'd like to make a completely factual statement and let you think it over. It's going to sound completely contradictory, but the more you give it some thought, the more I think you're going to realize just how true it is. It goes like this. The less you carry out in the woods, the better 
the experience will be. And the less you carry out in the woods, the more miserable the experience will be. Likewise, the more you carry out in the woods, the better the experience will be. And the more you carry out in the woods, the more miserable the experience will be. Did you get all that? If it sounds like a catch-22, that's because it is. But it's a catch-22 that just so happens to be perfectly true. For example, I can carry a 30-pound cowboy bedroll with me out into the backcountry. And what this will mean is that nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to sleep better than I do. Nobody else is going to have any chance whatsoever of experiencing the type of comfort that I'm going to experience sleeping in that bedroll. At the same time, absolutely nobody is going to be as miserable as me every day either because I'm going to be the only one dealing with all this bulk and weight that they won't have to worry about. So there's your real-life catch-22. You can't win for losing. Now, I should say that when I talk about being in the woods, the premise is always you're on foot. That's the premise, that you, you have to travel on foot. I'm not talking about this baloney stuff about going into the woods, 10-minute walk into the woods and sitting there for a week and then coming out 10 minutes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about genuinely getting far out into the woods and having to travel every day. You're not staying in one place for very long. You're, you're actually covering distance on a journey. I've said it before, I'll say it again. That's the only way you get to see true wilderness. <laughs> That's the only way. Now, somebody said, I think, got in touch with me from out west and said, well, that ain't true. You know, you could get out there on a, a side-by-side or something like that. But still, I, I my argument is that you're not getting out in tr- into true wilderness that way. Because where's the gas station? I mean, are, are, is your side-by-side solar-powered? So there's a finite amount of distance you can go in those side-by-sides or in those all-terrain vehicles before you have to turn around and come back. Ain't that right? That ain't true when you're dependent on your legs. Also, some folks might think of like kayaking and stuff like that. You know, water, water tends toward communities. It tends toward communities. So even there, I don't think you're really getting truly lost out in back country. But anyway, that's, that's the premise we're working on here. I'm talking about really get out in the woods. I just saw a video, maybe it was today, today or yesterday, of a guy like in the Swiss Alps. And in the background there, you see all the mountains. It's just gorgeous. Big, huge open field and mountains there in the background. Not a tree in sight. And then uh, in the video, this was a, a, a short, a video short, so not a tree inside, just big open prairie, and the Swiss, I think it was, there were Swiss mountains in the background. Um, and then he brings into the camera uh, a log, a big log. Now he's going to make a log fire, big old huge log. log. He's going to make a fire, so he starts doing that, and then uh, 
before long he he pulls out a stake it's a stake that's about the size of my thigh a huge huge cut of meat and then he brings out a big thing of salt and all these different condiments and uh, what else did he have oh cooking oil and all that stuff so here's what I'd encourage you to do think beyond the narrative of these stupid videos yes it's beautiful yes it looks great you know I, you've heard me complain about this before but it's all baloney it's all baloney where did he get the log you're supposed to believe he's out there in the middle of nowhere out in the middle of the Swiss mountains but like I said there's not a tree in sight where did he get the log are we supposed to believe he carried the log there from any dip for you know at it for any distance at all are we supposed to believe he carried that log and the meat as fresh as could be where did that come from raw meat perfect cut of beef where did that come from and where did all the oil and all this, these things come from while we're staring at these mountains and what looks like this guy completely by himself out in the middle of absolutely nowhere I'll tell you where it come from if he would just turn the camera around you would see a house there or probably an entire town there and what he's done is he's just walked from this town carrying a cooler or something or you know it wouldn't even surprise me if he just walked right off the back porch of his house where he's got cable TV and a refrigerator in there and air conditioning and all these things and he's just walked right outside and set the camera up so that it only captures the mountains and the prairie so that you get the idea that he's just out there in the middle of nowhere all by himself well we know that can't be the case right because there's no trees in the picture that we're looking at there's no refrigerators so you know let's say that he did hike into the woods with that big old slab of meat it wasn't winter time and it was fresh completely fresh what does that mean it means at best he's carrying a cooler how far are you going to get carrying a big cooler into the wilderness not very far so these these videos and by the way the video had like two billion likes or something like that a bunch of suckers pressing like on that because they don't think the thing through they just see what looks good to their eyes it paints all these pictures in their imagination of wow this wild living and everything they don't think the thing through i'll tell you what we'll call it from now on we'll call it the bear grills bullcrap effect if people see the picture of the guy cooking on a slab of stone next to a creek and mountains and they go wow he's out there in the middle of nowhere like 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 you know millions of people liking this totally bullcrap stuff in my world when i'm talking about being out in the wilderness i'm talking about being real really being out in the wilderness okay because that's the only thing where this conversation matters where you're going to try to go, go by with less if you're just 15 minutes in the woods you don't have to go by you don't have to go without anything you could drive an atv out there and just pack you know 24 bottles of beer and huge cooler and all the fresh meat you want and everything like that and just you just got to be real careful that if you're filming out there that you don't let the camera catch telephone pole in the background and all that stuff so catch 22 a 30 pound cowboy bedroll sounds awfully nice and i'll tell you it'd be nice and comfortable sleeping at night 
But when you got to roll that thing up the next day, in addition to all the other things that you're carrying, you're going to be miserable. So on the one hand, it's offering you great comfort. On the other hand, it's offering you great misery. Now you go without, right? You go without the bedroll. And so now you're not sleeping as good at night as you possibly could have been. But during the day, you're feeling pretty good, aren't you? Got a little spring in your step. This is where the art of doing without really comes in. For every non-essential you can learn to leave back home and be content without, the better overall experience you're probably going to have out in the wilderness. Part of this involves coming up with solutions out in the woods for increasing your comfort with just the things you have at hand. And another part of it simply involves being content to do without. That's the easiest thing of all, right? Just learning to to be content without it. And then there's a third part, too, and that involves having the wisdom to be able to distinguish between what are luxuries and what are necessities, truly. I'll never forget this book I read uh, by Robert Fulgham called Uh-Oh. In it, he was describing when he was a kid going off and complaining and complaining and complaining about his just all the things going wrong in his life and everything like that and an older guy pulled him aside and said listen Robert you know what your problem is he says you haven't learned to distinguish between what are problems and what are inconveniences and uh, this was an enormous life lesson for Robert Fulgham that's why he included it in his book and he began talking about all the things that we typically think of as problems and then explained why they're not really problems they're just inconveniences and so th- this is kind of a similar discussion ain't it we're, we're talking about distinguishing between what are necessities true necessities from what are simply luxuries and there's an awful lot of things that we carry uh, that are simply luxuries I'm always playing and I would encourage you to always play the cost benefit game and what it comes down to is that if the cost is in any way greater than the benefit that an item is going to provide you learn to leave it behind but if the benefit outweighs the cost and the cost here we're talking about is cost in comfort cost in energy cost in weight cost in space you know within the pack that you're carrying these are the costs if the benefits outweigh those costs might be something worth taking learning to go without non-essentials may sound like the simplest thing in the whole wide world but let me tell you what it is a whole lot easier said than done the reason for that is because you're literally leaving one reality and entering into a different reality What do I mean by that? What I mean is that you're leaving a reality where everything is completely predictable and controlled, and you're going out into a reality where nothing is predictable and nothing is controlled. Let me ask you this. Tonight, if you wake up in the middle of the night thirsty, do you live with any uncertainty whatsoever about, number one, whether you'll be able to get your thirst satisfied? And number two, how you'll go about it. Not at all, right? It's not even on your mind. Well, this ain't true when you leave the controlled environment we're all used to in this day and age and you travel out into true wilderness areas where you're going to be there for multiple days removed from the outside world. That's why 
I thought that this discussion about the art of being content to do without would be uh, insightful and fun. In my life, and maybe in your life too, I've had periods of great scarcity, and I've also had periods of great abundance. Many of you who've been following me since the beginning know a bit of my backstory, but let me fill the rest of you in. I growed up in the Appalachian woods where one of my chores every night was to go down over the hill with a couple buckets to a, a naturally occurring freshwater spring, a hole in the ground. You could put your arm into it and touch the bottom. and But that's where we got all of our water. So I had to pull up water every night in a couple of uh, five-gallon buckets. We used that water for drinking, washing, cooking, and pretty much everything. We heated with a wood stove, so I had to chop firewood, have plenty of firewood on the back stoop to get us through the night and the next day. So I'm just kind of relating some of this stuff to give you an idea that, you know, my background is one of doing without in a lot of ways. Our sleeping pads. So my brother and I, we would spend a lot of time out in the woods, going back a couple miles in the woods and sleeping, making camps and everything were, were a regular feature of our life. But we didn't have any of the fancy sleeping pads and fancy gear and stuff that that exists today. Uh, we didn't have any specialized gear so you know when I would sleep on the ground what I would do is I just rummage through like my dad's work shed and try to find a, a big piece of cardboard and that's what I used for my sleeping pad you know a lot of folks think that uh, sleeping pads are so you sl sleep all nice and comfy and everything and got that nice cushion underneath of you that's a secondary purpose for using a sleeping pad you know what the primary purpose is the primary purpose is for insulating you from the ground a piece of cardboard does that in fact in preparing this show i was trying to think of what sorts of you know when when i go out into the woods now i got all kinds of gear that i take with me but when i was growing up i'd go out into the woods with nothing and I, this is for real I would go into the woods with nothing else on me except for my Swiss Army knife. I always carried a Swiss Army knife in my pocket and that's all I had. So what did I do if I got real far back out there and, uh, and I was thirsty? I wasn't carrying a water bottle, I wasn't carrying water, I wasn't carrying a water filter, I wasn't carrying anything like that. So what did I do? What I did was I found water out in the woods, running water, fresh water. I got down on my belly, stuck my face down into the creek, and drank straight from the creek. Or I would scoop it in my hands and, and drink that way. But, man, never, never heading out into the woods knowing that I was going to be out in the woods all day. Never did it occur to me, like, maybe I should take a backpack or something like that. I just went, and I just got by while I was out there. You folks heard me talking about uh, Earl Schaefer. Uh, was it last week or two weeks ago or two shows ago he was the first person to through hike the Appalachian Trail and he had kind of the same mindset he, was, he wasn't worrying about the the mi most minute things in fact his attitude seemed to be I'm just going to get out there and you know I'll find solutions while I'm out there for example with his boots uh, he was wearing those old work boots that we were talking about a couple shows ago and um didn't have any of these, you know, special gel insoles or anything like this. This was back in 1948. 
And so what he did was he come up with uh, some other solutions. Once he wore the, the padding out of his shoes, he took off his socks, and then he would fill the bottom of his boot with sand and then just put his foot into the boot with the sand, and the sand would kind of conform around his, his foot and offer support and cushion and those sorts of things. There's so many things that I now think that I absolutely need when I plan a trip out into the woods that uh, I never needed, quote unquote, <laughs> until I moved away to the city for a while and got a little soft and kind of got indoctrinated by Backpacker Magazine and you know the, the wisdom, quote unquote, of people on the internet who say you need things and you go, oh, well, okay. And uh, you kind of push aside 20 years of wisdom of having grown up in an environment where you were always doing without those things. But now you suddenly need them. Got a couple stories. When I moved up to uh, Philadelphia, I was in Philadelphia for a good long time, and I was going through a divorce. And this was during the Great Recession here in the United States, probably around the world. Times were rough. I had lost my job. Uh, all of my money that I was getting from unemployment was going into uh, making sure I, I didn't lose my apartment. I had a truck payment and things like that. And so uh, on many occasions, what I would do, and this was in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, which is just, just right on the outskirts of Philly, is I would wait until all my neighbors would go to sleep. There was a baseball field across from my apartment. And uh, what I'd do is I'd wait for everybody to go to sleep. <laughs> So I'd wait till late at night uh, to kind of save myself some dignity. And then uh, my dog and I, I'd take my dog across the, the road, and we would go into that baseball field, and we would go around the edges of the baseball field, and uh, I would pick wild greens, so dandelion greens and stuff like that. And I'd bring those back, and I'd make uh, salads out of those. So I didn't have a lot of spare money for food. That got me by. I mean, it actually kept me from starving the willingness to go pick wild dandelion greens and eat wild dandelion greens let me tell you they're they're good and they're really good for you too what you want to do if you decide to do something like that is uh what i would do i would collect a whole big mess of them and then i'd bring them back to my apartment and then i'd wash them all off in the sink and uh, then one by one i would take them and i would peel the the leaf or the dandelion green and I would leave the the vein behind so there's a vein that runs up the middle of the dandelion leaf that's very bitter so what you want to do is you want to cut away the the leaf away from the vein and uh, just toss the veins and then so the only thing you're left with is the nice tender green but yeah, did that many, many times. On another occasion, uh, I was taking a walk by a, a lake, and this was during the same period of time where money was super, super tight, and I saw a goose egg. Now, this was in the wintertime. Goose eggs are enormous. They're probably seven, eight times larger than a chicken egg. And I, so I saw this goose egg, and I thought, I don't know if that's abandoned or not. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a walk through here tomorrow, and if it's still there, I'm going to take it. And uh, that's what I did. It was still there. Temperatures were below, lo lower probably than the inside of your refrigerator. So I, I thought there was a good chance that the goose egg was still good. 
And I brought that home and sure enough, cracked that open and cooked that. And I mean, that fed me for three or four days, that one goose egg. My, my point that I'm trying to get to with all this is that I know a thing or two about going without. So let's talk about a few things going without a few things. How about food? Now, I ain't talking about going without food entirely, nor am I talking about not taking enough food. But when people begin doing this sort of thing, where they're going to be out in the backcountry and stuff like that, one of the same mistake that everybody makes is that everybody always starts off by taking way too much, too much food, and a lot of comfort stuff, candy, yeah, very specialized coffee, and like for example, uh, you'll see in some of these fake videos where people are doing like cooking out in their backyard. You know, they step two minutes into the woods and then they do all this elaborate cooking and everything. You'll see them out there with you know coffee grinders and all sorts of stuff mocha pots and all these sorts of things can you learn to do without that do you really need for example to grind your coffee out in the you know 30 miles in the back country remember the premise the premise is you don't get into real wilderness areas unless you walk back air and five minutes into the woods is not wilderness nor is 20 minutes into the woods true back country so to really get isolated get back here are you really going to need to take a coffee grinder or could you learn the art of getting by without you don't have to go without coffee just maybe take instant coffee or learn to cook cowboy coffee cowboy coffee by the way is some of the best coffee that you will ever have do you know what cowboy coffee is it's where you take regular coffee but the way that you cook it in a pot it all sinks to the bottom and maybe I'll do a show about that like a video brief about how to do that but the the way you do it is you start boiling some water in a kettle you throw your coffee in there and the coffee's like all bubbling around and everything and as as you're letting that bubble and you're letting that cook inside that hot water you take a cup of cold water like ice cold water and you kind of pour it around the inner part of like the inner edge of the kettle and that will cause all of the coffee grounds to settle at the bottom so that then when you go to serve yourself the coffee the only thing that comes out is coffee so you know there's a good way to learn to go without you don't have to carry a grinder coffee grinder i got one so i could get it out there and i could put on a good show and make a really great video for you and all and everybody would go wow look at that it's so awesome he's grinding his coffee 30 miles out in the back, middle of the back country well, yeah, you love it because you didn't have to carry it out there, did you? I'm willing to learn to get by without. And what that means is that I typically buy Starbucks Via. They're expensive, but it's fantastic instant coffee. All I got to do is boil some water and throw that in there. I'll show you another method that I use. Uh, this is a something I originally got from Walmart. It's a silicone pour-over thing, and it collapses so it doesn't weigh anything, doesn't take up any space. But you extend it like this, and then you just put that on top of your cup. And then you use like a one of these coffee filters here, cone coffee filters. So this is another very, very simple way. I don't even have to buy the expensive uh, Starbucks instant coffee. I can just do a pour over type of thing like that. And so that's a way to do without. You just take 
coffee that's already ground, any coffee of your preference, and it's just a, such a simple, a simple way to do it. So, doing without anything enormously elaborate, I mean, and still getting your coffee, still having a really, really great cup of coffee. But anyway, back to food. You know, it, are there things that you can leave out of your pack? Uh, are, are there things that you don't need to take with you? So, a lot of comfort stuff. You know, I used to try to take tater chips, you know, or like Pringles or something like that. But then everything gets so complicated because you, you have to carry them in something that they're not going to get crushed and stuff along the way. Playing the cost-benefit game the cost is a lot as far as complicating your life (laughs) and then the benefits are very little you mean for what you're carrying you know you eat them up on the very first night and you're still carrying the container that whatever container you use to to carry them out there in how about stoves can you do without a stove the answer is yes you can the real question i reckon is do you want to do without a stove i'm talking about canister stoves i'm talking about pop can stoves some uh, some of you folks out there call them uh, alcohol stoves uh, but i call them pop can stoves because the first one i ever had was made out of literally the top of a pop can but the alcohol stoves those sorts of things can you do without a stove at all i'll tell you what i did i did for for the first 10 years that i was uh, serious about backpacking into unknown wilderness areas i went without a stove entirely so what this meant was that i'd have to do, uh, get a small fire started every time i wanted to cook something and what i learned about that was that it's not my preference typically i will carry like a little pop can stove or i'll carry a little uh, canister stove or something like that whether i think i'm ever going to use it or not if i possibly can i always do my cooking on my campfire I try never to use my my alcohol stove or my canister stove unless I absolutely have to. The The problem with depending on a campfire every time you want to cook something is that let's say that you just want a cup of coffee uh, in the middle of the day or something like that. Well, it's an awful lot of work to just even to just get a little tiny fire going. It's a lot of work. And then there's cleanup, and you got to make sure the fire's out and everything like that. So there's a lot of simplicity in just pulling out your stove and clicking it on, heating up some water, and having coffee. Rather than having to go through this whole big rigmarole every time you want to heat up some water or something like that. But still, if uh, I absolutely had to make room in my pack or cut back on some weight or anything, I'm not opposed to going without a stove at all i did it like i said i did it for 10 years it's only really kind of fairly recently that i've started making a stove a regular part of my pack let me tell you something about these alcohol stoves or pop can stoves and going without i got to thinking five six years back maybe a little bit longer than that i started thinking you know i'm carrying alcohol like rubbing alcohol in order to for fuel for the stove and I'm carrying booze I'm carrying hooch you know bourbon whiskey I started thinking I wonder if I could get a high enough proofage of whiskey if that wouldn't fuel my alcohol stove and so I went out and I found the highest proofage that I could find in my area it was 150 proof rum 
what that means is that uh, it was 75% then alcohol. So 75, uh, very high percentage of alcohol, this rum. And I tried it in my in my study. Now, it wasn't perfect, but it did work. And I was able to get a, boil some water on top of my stove using that rum in my pop can stove. Here's the problem, though. It didn't work as efficiently as regular the regular alcohol fuel that I use for use for those and also see my thought was I can drink half of it and I can use the other half as fuel for my stove and then I I'm carrying one thing I'm not carrying two things I'm even carrying less liquid so the alcohol stove it didn't work as efficiently in the alcohol stove it took longer to boil water and even you know like the alcohol that you're going to drink like later you're going to drink this 150 proof rum it was nasty it was nasty stuff and even when i tried cutting it with water it was nasty stuff so it just the cost was great (laughs) and the benefits were not as great as i would have liked them to have been i even went and got like this uh, flavoring so uh, you know typically you have like a rum and coke you pour rum into a glass with coca-cola so i thought well maybe that'll make it better no you really need the uh, the bubbles in the pop and it needs to be cold in order for that to to be worth anything at all so it was just too disgusting i, I gave it up but you know that's uh that's the kind of mindset you know that i'm talking about trying different things seeing what you can go without seeing if you can come up with some middle of the road solution so that maybe you don't have to give up the thing entirely maybe there's some adjustments that you can make so that you you you're going without in a sense but you're not going entirely without how about seats and chairs well there's another thing that i did not use for the first 13 years or something like that of my serious backpack and excursion life i never cared they didn't exist first of all you gotta remember when when i started doing this years and years ago there was no such thing as like a light an ultra light chair that you could take out into the woods so i just did without it wasn't even a consideration remember this is back before all these backpack ultra light backpack and stools and stuff that we uh have access to today existed that i know of I had never heard of them. Every chair I ever saw was just, it was just completely out of the question. I'm not carrying that. I got no room for it. I I can't carry that weight. And so uh, did without for decades, did without. What did I do instead? I just sat on the ground, sat on the ground, sat on a tree trunk, uh, things like that. And then it seems like about maybe about 10 years ago, I started coming into these areas into the woods where other people had taken stones and had actually made like formed seats with a back and everything out of stones and i didn't i never saw that in the early years when i had started it was something i started seeing you know years into me doing these sorts of things Um, but some of those were extremely comfortable but you, those of you who are watching the video, should be seeing some pictures and stuff like that of me sitting without any chairs uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And I was perfectly content, 
you know, I didn't complain about it. I didn't feel, it, you know, it wasn't the most comfortable thing in the whole world, but I didn't mind. And I didn't mind getting my pants dirty. I didn't mind any of that stuff. Nowadays, well, let's, I'll tell you a story. A couple years ago, two or three years ago, I went on this uh, excursion into the deep back country uh, and it r- was raining the whole entire time. It was also ridiculously hot and humid. These areas where I ended up having to put down my camp were rocky. They were rocky areas and dirt, rock and dirt. It was just nasty, nasty after like four or five days of rain. And I remember uh, setting up my camp one day and really, really, really missing having a stool. I did not take a chair with me or any kind of stool or anything on that trip. And I really missed it. I thought, man, how nice it would be trying to cook my supper if I didn't have to be standing after I had just walked, you know, like 10 miles that day. My legs are hurting. I'm tired. I just want to rest and have my supper. And uh, really, just nowhere to sit. I ended up sitting on this rocky, nasty, rocky mud to cook my supper. And I just kind of decided, with the technology today, and with the, the stools and the ultralight stools and everything that are available, that take up, I mean, a tripod. A tripod for me to record these things on video takes up more space than some of these stools do. So there's just... There's, there's an item that offers tremendous benefits and the cost as far as weight and space and all this stuff is very, very low. So very low cost, very great benefits. I, I like taking a, <laughs> these days I like taking a stool. But is it a necessity? The answer is no, it's not a necessity. Do you absolutely need a ground tarp? I would say yes. But, now here's the, the big but. Do you need a full-size ground tarp? Or can you just have one that's cut to like the length of your sleeping bag? See, that's something to think about. Back in November, I went on this big backpacking trip in the mountains of Pennsylvania during bear season, bear hunting season. And uh, one thing I was not expecting that uh, was a lot of snow. We got out there, there was tons of snow everywhere, deep, deep snow. And uh, I, I was taking a tarp, a ground tarp, which was just big enough for like my body, my sleeping bag, and then I wasn't going to worry about the rest of the space in my tent. And I have to tell you that my tent, I use bottom, uh, floorless tents, so basically it just covers over me. It doesn't do anything protect me from the ground. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but that's my favorite type of tent. And so. I cut, I'll buy like a a tarp from Walmart or something like that, and then I will cut my own ground tarps to protect me from mud and stuff like that, water on the ground. And right before we went out there, my buddy who was with me, he's like, man, maybe you should rethink your tarp. What if we get up there and there's like tons of snow and stuff like that? And so at the very last minute, we run over to Walmart. This is before we headed out to to this wilderness area where we were going to be. And I bought a tarp and I cut it to the full size of the inside of my shelter. And I'm really glad I did that because it was so messy out there. So messy, so much snow, and just having a full covering uh, over the ground inside my shelter 
instead of just this little tiny, you know, like coffin-sized ground tarp, was really nice. But that's something to think about. You know, I think like in most seasons, I, I don't need for the entire inside of my tent to be covered, like the ground to be covered. I just don't need it. I don't mind if my backpack's sitting straight on the ground. I don't mind if I, you know, my headlamp, you know, I take my headlamp off and I put my headlamp down on the ground. I just don't mind. But that's something to think about. Do you need a, f- a full-sized ground tarp? Or can you just cut one down to the size that you do need? Pillows. Uh, that's another thing it's kind of new that it just wasn't a possibility back way back in the day and so I got used to just using my backpack even if I'm hanging my food or something I would just stuff whatever I had left over back into my backpack put that inside my shelter and then I would just lay back on my my backpack and I've gotten very used to using my backpack as my pillow but there's a lot of folks who are pretty princessy about the way that they sleep and everything. We're going to talk about that more in a second too. But can you do without a pillow? And now, now they've got them where you can just you blow them up. Once you get out there, they compact down to about the size of a an apple. You know, they're very they can be very comfortable. But are they necessary? Could you be happy going without a pillow? Could you get comfortable just using your backpack? I will tell you this. As comfortable as those, as some of these new ultralight inflatable pillows are, I'm still quite partial to using my backpack as my pillow. I've just gotten used to it, and, and I kind of prefer it. Those inflatable pillows, they kind of move around all over on you. In the night, it's kind of hard to keep your head on top of it and everything, and you'll wake up and the pillow will be you know, clear on the other side of your shelter. Whereas your backpack it stays in place and it's big and you know you can roll all over the place and you still got the backpack air for your head to, to rest on so i kind of prefer it how about fully enclosed tents my buddy he really likes the fully enclosed tent now if i'm going into certain areas at certain times of the year this is like in the dead of summertime sometimes i will take a fully enclosed tent but as i was mentioning earlier my favorite tents absolutely no question about it are floorless tp style tents they offer the lightest weight the greatest coverage the greatest flexibility the greatest freedom and all these things and and i just love them you you, like i said you just take and cut yourself some tarp and there's your flooring it's so simple all you got to do is stake the corners stick up the middle voila you've got a tent they're so easy to put up they go anywhere and here's the best part you don't even have to carry a center pole for these tents all you all you need is once you get out there is to find a stick cut a stick to size that's your center pole right there so you can cut all kinds of weight with these tents they offer fantastic ventilation you've got enormous amounts of space on the inside i've got a a black diamond megalite which which will fit four full-size men let me show that to you if i can find it here real quick yeah here it is you see it it packs down to the like a size of a loaf of bread and you'll see images of this tent extended you know and, and pitched 
uh, and just how big it is. It's my favorite, one of my favorite tents of all time. Another tent that I use is uh, called the Lux Lux Hex Peak uh, TP tent. Same design, pretty much, and it's it packs down to about the same size, but it's only a, a two-man tent. But it's fantastic for me. I sleep on one side, and if I got my dogs with me or whatever, they've got plenty of room inside there. I can uh, have all of my gear inside there with me, even my stool. I don't even have to, like if I take a backpack and chair or something like that, I don't even have to take it apart or anything before I bring it in with me. I can actually bring it inside the tent with me without taking it apart. That way in the morning when I'm cooking up breakfast or whatever, it's still assembled and I don't have that extra work to do. If you get caught in a rainstorm, it's fantastic to have these floorless tents. And everybody says to me, well, what about the rain that comes in underneath? That has never happened to me. The rain does not enter the tent. It just doesn't. Uh, maybe if you're out in Arizona in the desert or something like that and you get a, a flash flood, maybe you get some water come in underneath the tent. But I've never had it happen in the lush forest that I that I spend my time in. My buddy really likes his fully enclosed tents even when it's not necessary. So like middle of the winter time. I don't know why you need a fully enclosed tent. But he, he, he doesn't like to go without... He, he likes that... Uh, that artificial sense of security like a bear can't get him or something if if he's <laughs> fully enclosed in his tent but I'll tell you what that's another really great thing about these tents that I'm talking about the floorless TP style tents if you got to get out of there there's you're not constrained in any way you, you got freedom of movement I mean, you could just roll out from underneath of it and get away so really, it's a fantastic design. Could you be happy with a tent like that? I'll tell you what, it'll save you all kinds of weight, and you don't need to spend $1,000 for them either. Blankets, sleeping bags. And also, if we're talking about blankets and sleeping bags, we should talk about supplemental things like long johns, you know, long underwear, extra layers. Now, there's something I'd say, don't never cut corners on your blankets and sleeping bags. Always be willing to carry the extra weight never try to cut corners there i've had too many cold restless nights because i've tried to carry the absolute minimum that i have to carry to not freeze to death out there and if you don't get a, a pretty good night's sleep uh, you will suffer <laughs> you'll be miserable you'll wake up with a headache and things like that so there again i think that the uh the benefits far outweigh the costs and what i've decided is that uh if i'm going out and it's going to be like in the single digits fahrenheit you know way below freezing i'm not doing any of this trying to cut corners on my blankets and sleeping bags anymore what i'm going to do i think is i'm going to take not only a zero degree a zero degree down sleeping bag i think i'm going to take a five pound wool blanket as well even if I'm traveling 80 miles, you know, I, I want to be warm at night. And so uh, there's one where I just, I don't want to, I don't want to go without. Sleeping pads. Can you go without a sleeping pad? Well, we talked a little bit about sleeping pads. I said that we used to use cardboard. A lot of people today mistakenly think that the primary purpose of a sleeping bag is for comfort. <laughs> like comfort, uh, like cushion, uh, to cushion you off the ground. And again, I'll tell you, that's a secondary purpose of those. The primary 
intent of a sleeping pad is to keep you insulated from the ground. Now, I went on a big backpacking trip, and, you know, there's just no getting around it. They take up space and weight and, and everything like that. Even the uh, a foam roll, big and bulky. And then the air mattresses, you know, you always got to worry about getting a hole in them and everything. Of course, they take up space in your backpack. So I said, well, I'm just going to do without. I never used these before when I was a kid. I'm not going to use it this time. The problem was that it was about 18 degrees outside. And uh, that was a big mistake. I tried to sleep straight on the ground without any sleeping pad. And it just, the ground just sucks the heat right out of you. So no matter how good your sleeping bag is, sleeping bags, incidentally, don't insulate you from below. So whatever part you're lying on, you're getting no insulation there. They only insulate you from the top and the heat from your body is rising up the sleeping bag is merely trapping that heat that is rising so they're not insulating you from the ground and uh, that was the last time I made that mistake and that was only on the first night on the second night what we started doing because my brother was with me and he also was not carrying a sleeping pad we had to use the leaves in the forest so we had to collect tons of leaves and create a bedding out of these uh, leaves the fallen leaves and i'll tell you it was like the most comfortable night's sleep i had in my entire life sleeping on those leaves they insulated me from the ground they provided cushion it was fantastic but it was a lot of work and it was very time and energy consuming collecting all these leaves it took a long time to get enough leaves to do the job great cost in going without a sleeping pad and there are some benefits but they don't the benefits don't uh, outweigh the cost in my opinion so it's something that you can do a sleeping pad is still a luxury it's not a necessity you can do without it if you know how to insulate yourself instead without it but it's going to require a lot of work like I said very time and energy consuming and also there's never a guarantee that you're going to have dry leaves so it worked out in my favor on this occasion that as cold as it was there were still plenty of dry leaves for us to collect we didn't have to pull them up underneath the snow or anything like that there's another time that my brother and i went without a sleeping pad and we ended up sleeping in a cave and a bunch of leaves had blowed into the cave and so we were able to collect the leaves from inside the cave there that were really nice and dry and sleep on those leaves again. So I've, I've done that leaf trick on more than one occasion and have gone without sleeping pads. Extra clothes to change into. Can you do without that? My buddy takes a change of clothes. Now I'm not talking about extra layers. That's a, that's a whole other discussion. I'm not talking about taking plenty of layers. That is not something that you want to a skimp on right you you want to make sure that you have always have plenty of layers you can take them off you can put them on that sort of thing but I'm that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about having an entire change of wardrobe out in the woods let me tell you that is completely unnecessary except for socks uh, except for maybe having an extra pair of socks or two why do you need to change your pants and your shirt are you going to a photo shoot are you worried about what people are going to think, how you look out in the 40 miles out in the wilderness where there is nobody? 
this is a mistake that I see a lot of people make. It's like because it's part of their routine in the civilized world, they think they must carry this routine into the woods where it doesn't make sense. You know, you're going to get dirty doing these sorts of things. You're going to get dirty. Your clothes are going to get dirty. You changing into a new outfit, that outfit is going to get dirty. There's no way you're coming out of the woods when you're out there for four or five days and nights. There's no way you're coming out of that clean and not stinking and not having any, you know, dirt smeared on your pants and stuff like that. So can you do without? I know you can. (laughs) I reckon the question really is, are you willing to do it? Here's the way I handle that. I take one outfit, the one I'm wearing, into the woods, along with supplemental layers. So these are not a change of clothes. This is like as the sun goes down and the temperatures start to drop, do I have an extra sweater in my backpack that I can put on? Or a button-up shirt? You know, that's what I feel the most comfortable in. I like to wear a a T-shirt, and then I might bring a thermal layer, I like these button-up shirts, like these flannel shirts. Um, not cotton. This is cotton that I'm wearing right now. But I wouldn't wear cotton into the woods. It would probably be polyester or wool. And so I layer like that. But one outfit, the one I'm wearing, and that's what I wear the entire time out there. I don't care if I'm out there for one night or if I'm out there for ten nights. It's one outfit. If conditions allow for it, Because I'm wearing quick dry clothes, polyester, synthetics, wool, that sort of thing. If I really wanted to, on one night around camp, I could take off my pants, wash them off in the creek, hang them up to dry, or hang them by the fire. I could do that if I wanted to. I've never wanted to yet. And then it would be dry in no time, and, you know, I put the pants back on, and everything's good. But as far as having an extra outfit to change into... No, it's completely unnecessary. It's ridiculous. And I, I, you know, I've had this discussion with my buddy. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he has his own way of doing things. And, uh, and a lot of the ways that he has of doing things I think is very foolish, but, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's his life, right? <laughs> um, as long as we're talking about people taking extra clothes to change into, like I don't know what I don't know the purpose of that who are you getting dressed up for there's nobody out there you just want to look good in your pictures or what I don't know it's people unwilling to feel a little dirty right but you're in the woods you're going to get dirty you need to be you need to get comfortable with that idea of getting a little dirty you come to a creek take your shirt off take your pants off wash yourself up and then put, put the dirty clothes back on you'll feel better and you know these these clothes are made to get dirty you're out there to get dirty so can you do without the extra clothes are you willing to do without the extra change of clothes now while we're talking about these clothes that brings me to the discussion about pajamas Uh, there's a guy (laughs) and i don't want to give away his identity or anything there's a guy that i've seen on youtube goes on these trips uh, backpacking trips in the woods by himself I kid you not changes into pajamas at night 
But that's not all. He carries a, a sleeping mask. You know the type I'm talking about. It's like the type to keep the light out of your eyes. Not only that, he goes to sleep listening to audiobooks. So he puts earbuds in his ears. He's got a mask covering his eyes to keep all the light out. And he's in pajamas out in the middle of the woods. It's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. Little Princess Pooh can't go to bed without having his little sleepy mask on, his nice little comfy pajamas, and an audiobook. Uh, here's my problem with that. When I'm out in the woods, one of my priorities is to be alert, to have a sense of my surroundings, so that I can hop up and be ready if I need to be ready. I sleep in my clothes. So the same clothes that I told you that I wear for the, the same clothes for like five, six days, or 10 days, or however long it takes, are the same clothes I sleep in. No, I don't take my pants off. My, my buddy does that. Changes into pajamas. <laughs> and I just find it completely absurd. I don't want to be so comfortable. I do want to be comfortable when I'm sleeping. I don't want to be so comfortable that I can't be roused out of my sleep if I need to if I need to get up and act. So the idea of putting on pajamas, like you're packing those in, you know, where every single inch of your pack, the space inside the pack is at a premium and you're going to take pajamas? <laughs> Something wanders into your camp. You can't even wake up? No thanks. And as far as the the sleeping mask and the audiobook with the earbuds in your ears you're like a blind deaf person in the woods where you need to be alert to your surroundings so I think it's just absurd I hope nobody gets hurt doing that but if they were to get hurt a pack of coyotes come into their camp or something like that or a bear uh, or even a deer or like a, a male buck you know during mating season would it surprise you if a person doing that ended up getting hurt? It wouldn't surprise me a bit. So you you don't need your pajamas. You don't need the audiobook. And while we're talking about that, went on a trip here recently, and somebody, it was a new person that had never been on, an, on a long excursion like this before, brought his uh, phone, and he was playing music through his phone like out the speakers of the phone man that was driving me nuts it was driving me nuts I'll tell you why because the whole reason for being out there is intimacy with the natural world and here he's playing Led Zeppelin or I don't know what I don't want to hear the football game and I don't want to hear music and I don't want to hear an audiobook out in the middle of the woods what I want to hear are the birds I want to hear the wind move in the leaves. I want to hear the, the gurgle of the crick and the streams. I want to hear the deer running through the brush. I want to hear the snake slithering on the ground. I want to hear nature. I want to be surrounded and enveloped by the sounds of nature, not the sounds of somebody playing a guitar. Right? That's, that's for the civilized world. When I get out of the woods, that's all waiting for me. All of that spoils and interferes with one's ability to develop an intimacy with the natural world when you bring that stuff out there. And 
while we're on that topic, somebody the other day asked me, hey, man, I bet uh, I bet you get to read some really great books when you're on these trips. When you're 30 miles back in the middle of the woods, I bet you get some great reading done out there. I said, no, I don't. I was starting to get annoyed at the person's ignorance of having this discussion with me, but, you know, I'm trying to be polite. And uh, she says, well, I would. I'd, I'd take a book with me, man. I'd get into camp, and I'd just sit and enjoy a good book. It annoys me for the same reason I just got done describing. What is my purpose for being out there? Can, can I not read a book at home? Can I not read a book at the library? Can I not read a book at Starbucks? Can I not read a book anywhere where I don't mind being dis- distracted and my attention being diverted from my surroundings? Right At home, I don't mind reading a book. I don't mind having my attention diverted from the walls of my house. But when I'm out in the woods, why am I out there? I'm out there for the woods, for the sounds of the birds, for the, the observations I can make about the woods. Great observations and small observations, right? So why would I take a book to divert my attention away away from the primary reason I'm out there in the first place. You see how absurd that is. It's the same gripe I have with people going out there and playing music. I don't want to hear your music. It'll be waiting for me when I get back. What I'm out here to hear is the sound of the gurgling brook. The sound of the katydids. The sound of the whippoorwill. These are the things I want to hear. The sound of the the trees moving with the wind and things like this. All right, enough uh, complaining and grappin' by old man Rudd. All right, well, there were so many other things that I wanted to talk about, but you know, the challenge really here for you is to see how you see if you can go without. It's fun. It's fun to, to try to go without. Now, don't go, don't try going without anything that's going to get you killed, all right? So use good judgment. Don't skimp, for example, if you're going out in a freezing conditions. Don't skimp on your shelter, your sleeping bag and blankets and stuff like that. But, you know, sort of the things we talked about you can that you can do without, you can do without. See if you can do it and enjoy yourself anyway. What is the only necessity for real? You know, we, we talked about a lot of things that maybe surprised you, that were not a necessity, that, that we typically think of as a necessity. Well, I would argue that in the warmer months, the only true necessity is fire. You can find water, you can get food and everything, but fire is really what you're going to want to keep the boogers away and uh, get, provide you some light provide you a way to cook, provide you a way to clean yourself around the fire. You know, you can use your campfire, did you know that, to sterilize yourself. So you just get into the smoke of the campfire, and that is you can bathe yourself with the smoke of the campfire. You don't even need water. Keep skeeters away. Provide you with charcoal. There's so many things that fire really, I think, is the necessity. In the winter months, I would say fire is a necessity insulation so like blankets um, and a shelter those those are your necessities 
you can still get fine water and all those sorts of things. Is something for carrying water absolutely essential like everybody says? Like a water bottle? Is that an absolute necessity? It really is not. Like I said, as a child, I spent a lot of time out in the woods. I never carried a I never carried anything for water. I would just find water and stick my face down in it or I would scoop it up with my hands and drink it that way. I didn't have to carry it with me. I just followed the water or I bounced from water to water. So you figure out how to uh, find water uh, where it's naturally going to be and you do that, then you really, in the strictest sense, you don't need a way to transport the water. You just need a way to find the water, right? So it's awfully nice to have a water bottle, but it's not like your life is automatically over without it. So a lot of things that we tend to think of as necessities are really just luxuries. So that's the challenge. See what you can do without. It's a great exercise. It's a lot of fun. And it will make you a better woodsman. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this show. And thank you for joining me again this week in this episode of The Practical Woodsman. I hope to see you over there on uh, Locals. And I hope that you folks who are just listening to me while you're driving down the road will remember to subscribe to the video channel on uh, Communist YouTube and Free Speech Rumble. Take care, everybody.